Parenting is messy, and there's no perfect parents, so take a deep breath, relax, and listen in as parent coach Kimberly Hackett shares some of her strategies to help you build confidence and connection with your kids. A few minutes a week with your family can lead to a lifetime of connection and intimacy with the people you love. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Welcome to the show. This is episode 159, and we're your hosts, Danielle and Justin Williams. Hey. And in this episode, we're talking to parenting coach, Kimberly Hackett. Yeah. We do talk about helicopter parenting, which Mm -hmm. I enjoy railing against helicopter parenting. And it hits a little close to home for you, doesn't it? Well, no, no, no. Well, yes and no. Yes and no, because I think it's not more not about helicopter parenting per se. It's more about the masculine energy versus the female energy. Whatever you need Women to feel good. Moms need to nurture and love and protect and care for. And then dads mm-hmm. need to careful. Throw children off the top of a tree branch and what? see if they fall and land on their feet like that cats. is female chauvinism. <laughs> that is female chauvinism. No, I'm saying you ta- you teach them. You want me to-, to babysit for you too, so you can go out tomorrow night? No, I'm just saying you want them to conquer their keep fears, digging the hole fears. Stop, you know, take risks, have an adventure. That's what dads are about. I think it comes down to that. Yeah. I, I want them to not, I want them to overcome their, their fears, the fears that are, that are the silly fears. Right. And I want them to never get hurt. And, <laughs> and when you, when you face a challenge, you grow. When you have a failure, you grow. When you get hurt, you learn, you grow. How much do you really have to get hurt though? Uh, I mean, I think the bigger, the, the bigger, the injury, the more the learning maybe. Think about it. The the things, the mistakes, the errors, the injuries, the bigger they are, the more you go, okay, well, I'm not going to do that again. So parenting is all about getting them to be hurt or injured just enough so that they have really good learning, but not so much that it scars them I think for it's life. About getting, <laughs> it's, I think it's about creating enough safety for them to fail and get hurt and and have the opportunity to learn from it where we've got their backs. Mm, that's so good. And so we really need to get to this conversation with Kimberly because she talks about how to really connect with your child in a way that sees them as a real person. Yeah. And you can create that, that place for them where they feel safe and they can fail and pick them up. And that feels really good. I'm now inspired to be a better parent and do good parents make good uh, married spouses? Is there a connection, do you think? Uh, I think being a good human being is the 
is, is the, the strand connection. <laughs> like, don't okay. be a jerk. That's that's oh, pretty much it. Okay, that's the whole deal. If you're a jerk to your kids, you're you're probably not doing good parenting work. If you're a jerk to your spouse, you're probably not doing good if you're spouse a jer- work. If you're a jerk at work, you're probably a bad employee. Yeah. Okay. Don't be a jerk face. Okay. Good lesson. <laughs> All right. Let's get to our conversation with Kimberly Hackett. All right. We are so happy to have Kimberly Hackett on the show today. She is a therapeutic parent coach and man, she is just on a mission to have parents and kids come together um, to create that happy, successful life that we know is potentially possible. But man, is it full of pitfalls, you know, just from uh, kids that are Oh, quote unquote, misbehaving, or just that drama that seeps into the parent child relationship, and just getting us all on board as a team. Um, I just love that, that you're after and I want some of it. So welcome to the show, Kimberly. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes. Oh my gosh. So I was actually looking at some of uh, the info on your website, and you said that your idea of parenting comes from even who you were as a child and your experience with parenting from that end of it. I want to know, like, what did your childhood look like with siblings and your relationship with your parents, and how did that look? Uh, yeah, everyone has a, a unique story, right? Um, I think um, my mind, very briefly is I'm in the middle of five children and I grew up in Washington, DC. My father worked for uh, the Kennedy administration and when the assassinations happened, um, it just just changed him. Like it was like, you know, the, the ground dropped from underneath us and it was a completely altered family system. Like it was, I was eight years old at the time and it was with many, many people who were close to that family were affected profoundly as much as my dad. And I being in the middle of five children, my older brother and my had, has had epilepsy, has epilepsy. My younger sister has epilepsy. There was a lot of like five kids in seven years crutch going on. Wow. I had this sort of personality type, you know, that was like, this is, we got to fix this problem here, you know, and we got to make this right. We got to get the parents to pay attention to us and less about what's going on out there. And, but I was young and I, and, and all of my need to get my parents to sort of focus on stabilize the family came out in behavior, mm. right? So that's what kids do. They have a lot of behavior, which is communication, right? How do I, how do I change my, how do I make my parents the parents I need them to be? Every kid wow. does that. And they have behavior. So I was a very, very behavioral child. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> well, just it means exactly that. I acted out. I was very, I, I, you saw my behavior, right? You, okay, I, give us an example. How did this play out, Kimberly? Uh, well, I was, you know, I ran away from home multiple times. You know, I dropped out of high school. Um, I, I, I was, I was, a I had, I went through a lot of rough years. I was also a ballet dancer and I went to professional ballet school and my mother was a ballet dancer and from London. So I had all this sort of talent and investment in my talent. And I just sort of threw it all away and said, I'm not doing that, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. so, 
you know, so I self-sabotaged a lot, but at the same time, I knew exactly what I needed, but I couldn't get it. Well, I'm so. curious too. You said like when president Kennedy died, you were eight. And no, when, Bobby, when Bobby Kennedy died, I was eight. Oh, when Bobby Kennedy died, you were eight. Okay. Um, so you said this drastically changed your dad. Yeah. Like what did your relationship look like with your parents before Kennedy died? And then how would, how did it change afterwards? Well, I think how did like you were trying to reclaim something that you did know. I don't think it's about reclaiming. I think that every child knows what they need, right? We, it's, it's, in, it's inherent. It's embedded in our sort of our, our human need is that we need balance. We need love. We need attention. We need security. We need leadership. You know, and if a parent is not doing their job, a child will become very more and more behavioral as they go along. And eventually, if a parent abandons their job as parent, they will become the parent. The child will become the parent, which is what I did. I, I sort of became the the parent. Um, so I and that's so before the question is what, what happened before. You know, you know, they say the first five years are the what years that set the sort of the template of relationship, template of the rest of your life. And I think that's actually true. I mean, in my first five years were my parents were out and about doing a lot of things in Washington, D.C., you know, mm. and they weren't really involved with us, which was that generation. I mean, I don't begrudge them anything. I understand totally. But at the same time, you know, they weren't paying attention. So who was in charge of, of us? And then, and then, of course, these tragedies happened, and that really just sort of cinched it. And that became my calling. I literally was born at that, my professional calling was born at eight years old. It was a mission. I was on a mission to get my parents to be the parents I needed them to be. And what did you most want from your parents? You said you were acting out and all these other things and you intrinsically knew what you needed. What did you, what were you wanting from them? What did you need? Connection, connection you know, unconditional love, connection, the ability to be engaged in a way that felt really satisfying. Um, you know, I, I always told my kids, I have four kids, that, you know, if I know that you're in trouble, I'm going to knock down every door and wall to get to you. Mm. You know, I wanted that for me. Yeah, to be fought for. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, it, it is so real, Kimberly. I mean, thank you so much for sharing that too, because um, sometimes I think as parents, um, there's a lot of wisdom that kids have that we don't fully tap into. Sure. Um, they, we, we, you know, say, oh, you know, their kids are just saying crazy stuff or, you know, they're just acting out and being crazy because they're kids or whatever. But how do we like as parents know, what to really key into about our kids. Cause you, you brought up a really good point out of five. You were probably the one with this unique calling and everything else. You said your brother and sister had special needs. Like everybody needs their own thing. Like how, how do we as parents know what to key into in our kids? Um, well, I think the, the the red flag for really understanding what your kids need is understanding what, how they affect you, right? If your children are pushing your buttons, if they are making you angry, sad, frustrated, annoyed, scared, hopeless, you know, that 
then then there's some work to be done. That means they need something from you and they're having a hard time getting it. Because so, when, mm-hmm. so there's always is the answer. Always. Always. Because they're always doing things <laughs> to drive me crazy. <laughs> no, but uh, you said that, Kimberly, it's like, is it more pointing to a, a deficit they're experiencing or is it a deficit that you're experiencing as a parent? Well, first of all, I wouldn't use the word deficit. Okay. I would use, <clears throat> I would say that when your child is poking at you and you get, and you react and you get triggered, right? That's more about you than your child, right? So if your child's whining, doesn't want to eat his peas, won't do his homework, won't clean up his bedroom, right? And you're like, ah, right? Just do it, right? That's more about you than your child because, hey, not every parent gets eh, like that every time their child whines about peas, right? There are kids who eat their peas no problem. And why is that? Because the parent's not going eh, not reacting. The minute the parent reacts, it's more about what's going on inside of them. They, if they get in, get in touch with that, like, okay, why am I getting so annoyed? Why am I getting so frustrated, right? More times than not, it has got nothing to do with what's going on right in front of them. More times than not, it has something to do with what's going on in the past that they're not sort of connecting to. What happened with my mom and dad, my dad specifically, um, was something I had to do, had nothing to do with me. Nothing. Right, right. Nothing. But it, because I was a narcissistic little kid who wanted every, you know, wanted what I wanted and needed what I needed, I interpreted what his inability to give me my, what I felt I deserved was about me. It was something I was coming up short. I was falling short, you know, as a child, but it had nothing to do with me. It had to do with my, my father, the way he was parented, the way his parents parented him and things that were unfulfilling, unfulfilled inside of him that were being handed down to me. And my, it was, it became a legacy burden, right? So how we're triggered has to stop. You know, we got to stop and say, wait, stop right now and say, this is actually about me. And this is actually about going backwards, not going forward and pushing our kids to be who we want them to be to make us feel better, right? We need to stop and say, I need to be uncomfortable here because this is actually unfinished business in me. You you bring up a great point there. Uh, like, And we talk about triggers in some of our, our work with, with couples, um, but just the, we're all on this process of trying to write a new story in our marriages, as parents, in our in our lives, and so we look at our experience as as kids, like what how my dad parented and how his he was parented, and so on and so forth, and we're we're trying to pick the the good and leave the bad behind, uh, and not even good and bad, but just like we're trying to create something that that is more meaningful, more. Uh, fulfilling, more rewarding, more impactful, uh, more positively transformational for our kids. And it's, it's, it's messy work. Kimberly, what did you pick and choose from, from your childhood? Like, were you adamantly, like, obviously you said you ran away from home many times. Were you thinking, okay, I'm never, ever going to do this to my kids, or I'm always going to do this to my kids? Yeah, of course. I mean, but the turning point, I think, with me and my work, and because I've invested my entire life doing this work, is my my healing and my ability to become <clears throat> a good enough parent um, 
was because I was, I just made that U-turn and said, I'm going to deal with what's going on. I'm going to deal with the bad stuff, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to deal with the, the, the dark, shadowy, ugly stuff that, uh, that I've been running away from all my life. You know, I tried to run away from as a child. And I just said, stop, I can't do that. I gotta make that U-turn and go back and deal. And how you do that is really what Parenting You First is all about. It's like, you, you can't pick and cherry pick. You can't say, you can't cherry pick your life. You, ha- you are your life, you know, you are everything, you're all your experiences. You know, you can't say, oh, I like that, I don't like that because then you get a little crazy inside. And what ends up, what ends up happening is those parts of you that you're rejecting and say, I don't want that feeling. I don't like that part of me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ignore that part of me. Is a, actually a child inside of you who is like, ah, what are you doing? You know. And so when you're vulnerable, or when you get triggered in a particular way, and when you're not like being super positive and, you know, assertive uh, in terms of being this human being that you're trying to be. You when you when you're weak, that child steps in and says and takes over, and that's reactivity. And that is how we end up parenting our children, right? When we're triggered, you know, who's parenting our children is a young child inside of us that we're sort of rejecting. Actually, that little child inside you is part of you. Why would you disown a part of you? And it's trying to either protect you or teach you something. There's some value in it, even though it may be contributing to some maybe unhealthy behaviors oh, absolutely. Like that there is something to learn from that child that's trying to you know maybe in your case act up you know like you did when you were a little kid you're like hmm if I get really curious about myself as a little kid and like give that child love I mean you wouldn't treat a child with hatred or meanness or isolate them like why don't you love that child and say okay what is here for me like what are what are you trying to teach me or tell me or whatever and then you can go back to being a kid (laughs) yeah so exactly but it's it's like if you're if you're one of your kids came up to you and said you know something that was upsetting you wouldn't say go away I don't love you right come back when you're gonna be nice to me you would pull them on your lap and say, okay, what's really, what's really going on here? Why are you so upset or what, you know, what's happening? That's exactly, that's that kind of self-care and self-love is what our, that inner child, that feeling, that agitation wants from us, the adult, the parent of the system, of our own system. So really making that U-turn and so sort of saying, not that, it's not so much that, that, feeling has a lesson to teach is that that feeling needs to be allowed to be felt. And once you allow that feeling to happen over and over again, the feeling starts to dissipate because we're not pushing it away. The more we try to push a feeling away, it's stronger it gets. So I just call it, you know, it's like, and it's not, it's very common to call it this inner child because it is a real being inside of us that exists. And like, you can, I like what you're saying about emotions too. It's like, move through it like the actually the quicker path instead of like shutting it out and saying like oh I'm not gonna go there um is actually like if you move through it it's not gonna keep haunting you day after day after day like if you just take time get curious and move through it then it's actually a quicker process (laughs) it's not gonna haunt you as much like 
I love what you're saying about too, is like, if your kid is coming to you, this is something, um, this is, this is, you can help us on this, Kimberly. So Justin and I both work from home and we have for a long time. And so our kids are used to us being around a lot. Um, but then when we have to work, which is quite a bit, it seems to them like you're here, but you're always having to work all the time. But I'm like, in fact, if you go up and down the street, there are parents that only see their kids like, you know, two or three hours a day, you know, when they come home at six o'clock, make dinner and put them to bed. So it's like, how do we deal with things that we know are not, I don't want to say valid, but it's like, no, it's just, it's, it's kids have a, a, a bottomless kind of a need for the, that intimacy and connection. And, and, and we, we have a bottom. <laughs> we have a bottom. So how do you address that Kimberly to kids that are like, I want more and more and more. And I'm like, okay, I can't be with you 24 seven. And you know, pay, like we have to actually pay bills in this house. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, not to jump ahead, but I would say that that is great meet. Meeting that's a great conversation for a family meeting. Like how I do a family meeting is really to surface all that stuff in a really collaborative way, where we actually talk about what's really going on and come up with a, a solution that or a game plan that might be temporary because it only might last a day or two, might last a week, might last forever. But you guys do it together. Because really what you're trying to surface is not just the, the, the sort of the management of, of behavior and like I have to work and you have to stay over there and let me work and don't interrupt me while I'm doing a call and you know all that stuff. You have to surface why your children feel this way. Yeah. Why you feel this way. So they can understand and you can understand because once they're really truly validated and under, and you really do understand where they're coming from, it's going to be a different kind of interaction because when you move into management, you're just, we're all just, we feel unseen and unheard, right? So a family meeting is 80% about connection. It's like, I'm going to spend this time talking to you for 10, 15 minutes. 80% of that time is going to be about listening to what you're feeling and then we're going to come up with 20% of trying to figure out a solution that might last a day or two. And we'll keep talking about it. We're going to keep talking about it. This, we're going to keep working through this, whatever this is, whatever the subject is, because yeah. I'm 100% invested in working this out with you. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a big advocate of the family meeting. And um, I'm just wondering when, like you said, you have kids. Like, when did you realize that, okay, this family meeting might be a thing that we need to do? Like, how did your kids, you know, act as, as little ones, you know, like, did you have challenges? Obviously you're a therapeutic parent coach. Like you would have perfect kids, right? Like, (laughs) I did not become a therapist until my, my, um, you know, I, I told you I dropped out of high school. I got my BA, then I got two masters later in life, right? I I did it all sort of backwards, slowly <laughs> around the bend. I don't know. You did it on your own time frame. <laughs> what you did. Um, but intuitively, I um, called meetings all the time with my kids. Um, I homeschooled for ten years, 
So having my kids around all the time and say, okay, everyone, let's just sit down and let's just work this one out happened pretty quickly. Um, I refined the process because in the early years, it was, you know, sit down, we're going to talk, talk about this, you know, to what it is. I'm going to lecture you. That's very tempting as a parent. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I have this knowledge that I need to impart to you. So of, I know that you're five years old, but please, you should be able to understand what I'm telling you. Like, does the lecturing ever work, Kimberly? Never works. <laughs> well, crap. <laughs> because because honestly you're wasting so much time right and so much psychic energy right because you because it because you know it doesn't work right it feels good to unload right and sure. to get it across to them um and then maybe for a day or two they might fall you know they might do because they're afraid they don't want to have they, the connection to them is they need connection with you at all their whole life depends upon being connected to you mm. right? so they're going to give you what you want one way or another Right, um, whether it's with outrageous behavior or with you know behavior that is really just suppressing their own needs, right? I'm going to give you what you want because I'm not, I don't, I I'm not taking care of myself, and you don't want that either, right? You want a child who is joyous and communicative and and open and trusting, right? So how do we do that? We do that when they and they don't get that at school. They can only really get that at home. And that is, has to be very structured. I, I mean, I say the family meeting is the most important meeting you're going to have this week or today. You know, it's the most important thing you're going to do when you have a family meeting. Your child needs to know that you're 100% committed to connecting with them and listening and validating and problem solving. And guess who's in charge? You are. You're, you're in charge. Doesn't mean you're the boss. You're not in this hierarchical position where I'm telling you what to do, but I'm responsible for calling this meeting. I'm responsible for the quality of this meeting. I'm responsible for listening. I'm responsible for helping you come up with a game plan or you helping me come up with a game plan. I'm responsible for myself falling through on that game plan. Mm-hmm. And I'm also responsible for saying, hey, we need to have another meeting. It's not working, right? And I do all of that without anger and react, without reactivity because I am in charge. I am the parent leader, right? It's, it's completely different because a child wants to know that you are watching them. Why did I run away? I ran away because my parents weren't paying attention. That's an extreme behavior, right? To get your parents to notice you, right? right? The children run away today with screens. They run away today, you know, in a million different ways, primarily screens. So we want to keep them engaged. We want to keep them in a relationship with us because if we don't, they're not, they're going to solve their problems, but out there. Right. Right, and then to go back, circle back to the you know to these these uh these um, Facebook groups where there's 50,000 50, people in these groups and everyone's got a, a, uh, everyone's got an answer to your problem actually is not that helpful because you want actual relationship with somebody real, real connection and you want someone to hear your issue your unique issue and you want someone to listen to that and problem solve with you. Yeah. And it's not, it cannot be generic. It cannot be general. It has to, it's very, we got to feel absolutely special. And now we interrupt this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast to bring you a word from our sponsors, us. (laughs) All right. So we know that communication is the hardest part of marriage, right? Yeah. And the story goes something like this. 
You talk about the bills, the crushing the chores, keeping the kids alive. But it feels like you become really good roommates. Yeah. Not the soulmates you were when you got married. Maybe the busyness of life and the trials and challenges of raising a family have just worn you down. Maybe you're just more comfortable having transactional conversations instead of passionate, transformational, exciting ones. Oh, the good news is that by making seven small shifts, you can get on the same page and have conversations that matter and infuse more intimacy and connection into your marriage. Oh, yeah. So what are those shifts? We've spent more than a decade researching and working with couples to distill down the seven most powerful shifts that couples can make to build more intimacy and connection. Nobody else is teaching this stuff at any price. And this free resource is available now at legendarymarriage.com slash seven secrets, the number seven secrets. And the good news is you can make these shifts, just break out of that roommate zone and transform your marriage without making your spouse sit through some boring workshop, endless counseling sessions, or sitting knee to knee naked in some weird sweat lodge, braiding each other's hair and holding hands while a bunch of people sit around staring at you singing Kumbaya. Was that just us? That did Awkward. <laughs> so grab this free resource today at legendarymarriage.com slash seven, the number C. Secrets and start building a life, a love, and legacy together today. And now, back to the show. A child that's running away from home, that's pr a pretty extreme circumstance. Or like, wh what sort of kids do you find most often um, in your sphere? Is it those extreme kind of circumstances? Or is it just kids that feel disconnected and can just parent to child connection solve most problems or are there things that are like okay this child has like you know is throwing stuff across the room and you know just having a family meeting is probably just going to be the tip of the iceberg you know well um i think i have originally gone into this work as a therapist a family and adolescent therapist working with adolescents at risk mm -hmm. right so i work with you know, kids in hot psych hospitals. And so then, you know, my private practice and I saw a lot of, you know, really broken families and kids. And, and then I started seeing more and more just regular parents, regular kids. I mean, just uh, parents of three-year-olds. Um, and it really made me realize that it was sort of the beginning of me developing this work uh, made me realize it's not about the kid, it's about the parent's anxiety, right? It's about how the parent sees themselves, how they trust themselves and how they love themselves and care about themselves. And if you can focus on that and take care of that, your children are going to absolutely benefit from that. Now, obviously, when by the time your kid is running away, there's a real problem and it's going to take a lot more effort maybe than just a family meeting to solve that problem. But I'm all about prevention. Like, let's let's fix it from the get-go. Let's have a different kind of relationship from birth on. And it's about focusing on parents, the parent well-being, rather than, you know, managing children. So it's just about what is happening with you that's making you feel this way. That's the, that's the good conversation to have. And the second good conversation to have with your child is, hey, this is why I'm feeling this way, you know? I'm wondering too, like we're kind of going through a phase right now. So our kids are kindergarten and second grade. So now like they are 
off to school for the whole day now, you know, both of them. And so that's a whole new thing. And then like our second grader is now getting a little bit more like geared into friendships and, you know, she's not as, as readily, you know, like crawling up in our lap and saying, let's read a story. She's like, I can read on a fourth grade level, mom. I can read by myself. You know, you don't need to read me stuff anymore. You know, that kind of thing. And so it's like, she's always been that. I know, but I'm walking her to pre-K. She's like, I'll just go myself. (laughs) No, (laughs) she's a little miss independent, but um, I'm just wondering, like, what does connection look like with your kids as you enter new phases of parenting? Because obviously my oldest one isn't crawling up on my lap as much. My little kindergartner, she, she still does it, but probably too much. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm already having that mindset of like, what does this connection look like when they're 16? Like our neighbors have a 16 year old, you know, does would she sit in with with her parents and like you know read a story no like that it doesn't look like that anymore i don't know be cool daniel i know i'm a little worried because i don't know (laughs) how to do it when they're older but i think the connection is just that good feeling you have that feels easy it just feels easy you guys have good connection i can tell right it's just easy you have your fights you have your whatever you know, but you guys basically get along, right? And you can read each other and you're like, I mean, you know, if, I was just talking about this the other day with somebody, um, the, hel- the famous helicopter parent, right? Oh, please, let's do this. Let's talk about helicopter parenting. <laughs> Justin thinks I may be bordering into I'm just a helicopter saying parent, your blades are spinning lately. But I am, I think it has to do with the fact that I'm going into this new phase and I'm just like, I feel stuff slipping away and I'm like, oh, I don't know what's happening. I would like them to run around the neighborhood and have fun with their friends and every, like, I want them to as have that. As long as you can monitor them on everyone's no. ring doorbell cameras. No, and, no, and no, a, no. And a no. drone flying over. Okay, Kimberly, help us here. Come on, tell us about helicopter. Well, care. the helicopter, well, first of all, a helicopter parent, I was going to say something a little bit different, but I'll come circle back to what you just said. Um, the helicopter parent is a parent who's parenting from fear, right? Yeah. Okay. So when you parent from fear, you are going to have to want to, you want to want to manage everything, right? You're going to want to control everything. Why? That's different for everybody, right? Everyone has a different backstory that brings up this feeling of needing control. I you know, I had some of that, definitely had some of that in the early years. I homeschooled for 10 years, right? I, um, you know, the helicopter parent has, you know, I had to sort of deal with my, some of my fears of letting other people have access to my children. You know, am I going to trust that? Am I going to trust, you know, these teachers? Are I going to trust these neighbors? You know, I don't know them. Now that's, I have my own unique backstory for that. And you have your own unique backstory for why you might be slightly spinning your blades around your kids around this time so justin says (laughs) (laughs) but i mean you but but the work then becomes this incredible opportunity for every parent to say say why am i feeling anxious why am i worked up why is, is this actually a good thing you know if you you can be 
uh, and a very involved parent that you don't have to be anxious about it because if you're parenting from anxiety or fear, you're giving that to your children. You can be, you know, a really involved parent and be calm and grounded. And your child can say, for example, if I said, you know, my son, you know, if I'm, I'm, a, I'm a helicopter parent, I'm like, I really need you to get good SAT scores because I really need you to get into a good college. I really, you know, that's really important. Or I can say, you know, just, you know, do the best you can, you know, and, and I'm okay. I'm actually okay with what happens with your life because I'd be a lot cheaper if you don't go to Harvard. I know, I know that you're, I know you're doing it. I know you're doing the best you can and he still goes to Harvard or whatever, you know, it's just that like, right. But I have to understand why I'm so anxious. And there's a lot of anxious parents out there because there's so much pressure, you know, there's, there's so much external pressure, but there's also an incredible amount of internal pressure that we don't really pay attention to. Yeah. I'm wondering too, the, um, from the kids' experience, do they ever reach a point where they're like, okay, mom, we're perfectly connected. Like, you can just butt out now at this point and I can handle it from here. Like, I remember being a teenager thinking, I don't really want or need my parents' input. Like, I'm cooked by now. Like, uh, like I remember having yeah. that thought at like 14, like... I think I'm good. I've, you know, I've taken in everything that I need to. I've learned what I need to. And let me just see how it goes. Like, just how did did your parents handle that? Um, they didn't like it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's not get into the graphic version of that. No, I will tell you this. I, I, my mom had the nickname in high school as the stalker. Remember, this is before cell phones and right. GPS right. trackers. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, definitely. It was very exciting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a full-on stalker. She would call the movie theater. What time is this um, movie ending? At what time? And, you know, like, she would say, like, oh, you know, I know there's bad traffic over there. She'd be calling different parents, you know, things like that. It was kind of funny. Like, we had a 25th high school reunion lately and what I wasn't able to make it. And one of the kids posted, uh, you know, make sure your mom keeps good tabs on us or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, Oh man. So, so then, so then the next question would be is why do you think your mom was more protective than, than your dad, for example? Why, why, why what's oh. her story? You don't have to tell me that, but you know, just like there's a reason she was like that, right? There's a reason she has her own reason and how she, how she was parenting at that moment might not have built a lot of connection. It might, you might have been pushing her away because she was being a little bit too much. But there, but as you get older, you know, you start to understand. Oh, that's why she was like that, right? And she has her own story, and that and that that affected me this way, and that's why I'm I have that awareness helps me understand how I want to parent my children, right. And rather than say, well, I'm never going to be like that. And then you end up being like that anyway, because you're not aware of why. And you're not, oh, that's the only example that you saw. So what are your other options? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what are your, so, so I believe um, that every, we all know how exactly how to parent our children um, because not just because we were parented by our parents, but because 
every human being needs love and attention um, to survive, right? right? Well, that's just a natural human need. And so when we're not getting it, and we're not getting our needs met by our parents, we know it right away. And we have behavior as a response to try to get our needs met. Um, So I, I, and, and so, yeah, we know what, so our, our parents are busted right away. Right. And, and so that, that what ends up happening when our backs against the wall, when we're reacting, we have our own kids, we're not prepared, we're, you know, whatever, our backs against the wall, we end up going back to what we know because we have no space. Yeah. To figure it not out. Because, not because we have, we don't know we can do it better, but because that's what we do automatically when our backs against it, we just react. Right. right. Um, so that's why doing this work helps you create that space. So when you get to choose um, to how you really want to parent your children. And you also, there's no shame around reactivity, none. It's just, it's part of the learning process. Right. I'm wondering too, like, uh, like, yeah, I'm totally with you on the, like the reactivity can lead to a lot of, you know, ill-informed choices and things that can come back to bite you in the butt (laughs) for for sure. And I'm just wondering, like for, our listeners that are thinking, man, I, I really would like some more connection with my kids. They maybe seem disconnected or some of these behaviors are showing up. What are the best, you know, thoughts or tips you might have for them to really connect with their kids and, you know, grow them up right, you know, (laughs) make them not be sociopaths in their uh, adulthood years. Yeah. Um, I actually believe that, that everyone's super busy and no one, and I actually believe that, um, I'm going to say this out there, it's in my book, but I'm going to say that now that most of the books out there are misleading and creates and, and create more insecurity and self-doubt in parents than confidence and well-being. And because they're saying, do this, 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 here, try this, try that. And so all these parents who are so wanting to be good parents are trying all these different strategies and the strategies aren't their own. They're not, they don't belong to them, right? They are somebody else's idea of what a good parent should be like. And so they're being, they're prescriptive and they're scripted, right? And as a result, it creates a falseness in the effort. It's a falseness in the, and, and by the way, children know immediately when you're not authentic, right? You're not right. Being true. So I think it's really it creates a lot of insecurity and more, more insecurity and self-doubt. I think that parents know how to parent themselves. I don't I think parents know how to parent because they were kids. When you have a family meeting, you work in, in collaboration with your child to create a parent-child relationship that works for both the parent and the child. You problem solve together. You create a culture that's unique to your system, that's unique to all of you, all your unique personalities, all your unique, just who you are. And, and no one has to be the same. And it, it individualizes everybody in the family. So what I would say to you that is that start having family meetings. Um, and start doing it because that's the only way you're going to actually put money in the relationship bank. It's the only way you're going to start to show that you're serious 
You know, you're serious about making this work. It's the only way you're going to really get a chance to listen and surface what your child's really thinking and feeling. And I think that it's, it's the most important thing. If you do nothing else and don't, you know, you got to learn how to have a relationship with your child and you got to do it in a structured way. And the family meeting, I think, is, does that. And if that, by the way, I'll side note, family meeting is not driving down, you know, driving to hockey, talking to your teen who's looking straight ahead or on their phone, thinking that's a good conversation. That's not a family meeting. Yeah. That's a great moment of connection. But a family meeting is like, is, um, I really equate it to like, it's like a, like a really serious business meeting. Yeah. Your, yeah, your income for the year is dependent on this. <laughs> you <know>? ah. <laughs> like you are investing money and time and energy and you will not miss this meeting, you know, and you want your child to have that kind of commitment to it as well. And at the same time, you get in the room and they're short. These are very brief meetings. They're not long and you never lecture. You never, you're never on a podium. You know, you are, you, everyone knows exactly what's going to happen. Because it's hap- this is the way we do it every single time, and everyone just can relax because the child knows and the parents know this is what we're doing here more than anything is connecting. Yeah. And once you get that connection, that that connection fix, which is what everyone wants and needs, the problem is easier to handle. It's like they'll look forward to it as just a yeah. fun family time together. Yeah, I mean the family meetings. I my kids are ages twenty five to thirty two, and we call family meetings. My son, who as adults you do. Oh yeah. Oh wow. And my my oh yeah, we've been doing this forever. And my twenty eight year old son, I he's not gonna watch this. So I can say this probably, but anyway, <laughs> a couple years ago he broke up with a girlfriend, but he was very worried about breaking up with her, about her you know hurting her, and how do you do it? He called a family meeting on Zoom. He's in he's in LA, and we all gathered. And you know, that is quite the anomaly, Kimberly. Well, like, I mean, I love it. It's beautiful. But I'm sure his friends were like, "What is happening here? Like, what are you? Wait, you're talking to your family about how to break up with your girlfriend? Yeah, yeah he was talking to us about how. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was talking. He said, I love it. I mean, it's just, you know, it's the family meeting is there for every, every issue, every concern. It's like, it's, you know, we live in this crazy world. It's an insane world of disconnection, like everything. And we have, to, the family is the most important, it's, it's the most important um, relationship that we have to ground us and to make, make us feel like we belong. And we have um, a support system that is unquestionable, right? That it's always there for us. And that has to be our parents. It has to be our family. Um, if it's not going to be the family, it's going to be, you know, that guy down the street, or it's going to be a screen or it's going to be somebody else. And I just believe, you know, leadership's in the family leadership, you know, communities in the family first, and then you go outward. So. Well, going through your, you have this amazing resource, uh, the the No Conflict Guide to Family Meetings. I think I said the name mostly right there. <laughs> I got all the words there. <laughs> and, and going through it, it's it's it is it's it's textbook for what makes a great meeting. Like there's a purpose to it. You're trying to come to some resolution. Everyone gets a voice. You know, not drama conflicts, but but you're looking for different perspectives on things. You're trying to connect in a way that leads to something. 
And I think on the one hand, it's like, yes, of course, this makes absolute sense. And on the other hand, coming out of the corporate world and, and doing work in that realm, most meetings suck <laughs> because they don't have exactly right. what we're talking about. They don't have purpose, intentionality, to connection, right. the, the, the direction to resolve something. They aren't, they aren't structured or led well. And so, so many folks don't really have an experience of that that they can even translate. Right. Right. And this, and this is, this is someone asked me if I would do this for businesses, uh, you know, and I said, I'm committed to families. I'm going to stick yeah. around. I'm, I'm going to do what I do well. So, but you're right. This is transferable. This is transferable. I mean, I'm a couples therapist as well. I don't, I don't work at that. I don't do it anymore, but I, I mean, everything I have put into this work has to do with relationship building. Yeah. Yes. And it's so beautiful. And, um, Oh my gosh, I so love this conversation with you, Kimberly. I do want to know um, what are the best ways for our audience to find you and what you're up to and your offerings. I have a ebook, a free ebook on the No Conflict Family Meeting, and I have um, a new online community um, called Parent to You First Online. And it's on a program called platform called Mighty Network. So it's completely social media free. Okay. And inside that community, you get two, if you come in, you get two free weeks, but you also get the, uh, the course, the No Conflict Problem Meeting course and live support for me every week. Oh, awesome. Kimberly, that's so amazing. I love how you're saying parenting you, like Y-O-U. Like, I love that you're just like embracing the whole like, okay, let's deal with you as a parent first before we inflict that on your kids or whatever yeah. like I love that idea of just like caring for the parent like put on your own air mask first before you put it yeah. on your kid yeah um so beautiful well thank you so much Kimberly Hackett for being on the show today you're welcome so nice to meet you both and now the talk about it segment of the show each week we challenge you to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters Okay, so here's your conversation starter. What are the issues you would like to bring up in a family meeting? Those things that have been kind of like going on in the background that you're like, okay, we need to address this as a family. What are those things? Mm. I have a list. Do you want to hear them now? Oh, Lordy. How about we set a, t- a time? How about we start with you? That's probably not what... No, no, not at all. No. This is supposed to be a friendly meeting. (laughs) Healthy conflict conversation, not a confrontation. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for today's show. Hey, Hey. grab your copy of the seven secrets of legendary marriages over at legendarymarriage.com slash seven secrets. I said it before you'd. Oh my gosh. You're being, you've got a Can little, you tell we're actually having a contentious day today as we're recording? A little bit of attitude there. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you. Don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.